0: Christ is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for in him all things in heaven and earth were created things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers all things have been created through him and for him he himself is before all things. and In him all things hold together. Christ is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Imagine, imagine a fictional landscape of faith a century from now, religious scholars in this new ecumenical, possibly interfaith denomination of America, or whatever this post-denominational, multimodal framework is, are sitting together and they ask one another, did Christianity give the spiritual community anything of worth or value? Does Christianity give us anything that other faith traditions simply can't? By way of understanding that question, I want you to imagine Trafe, a play about Jewish people who are stuck dealing with the conflict of enjoying modern culture, but being bound by their own sense of what is right and wrong as they struggle to figure it all out. Does that sound interesting? Maybe. But try this description. Imagine Trafe, a play about two brothers, close brothers, Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn, the early 90s, who drive their mitzvah tank, a converted evangelistic Winnebago. Driving it into Manhattan daily looking for Jews that they can perform mitzvahs. Or, or good deeds for, all while playing cassette tapes of their rebbe, their wonderful rabbi, as they listen over and over again to the static-filled but life-empowering words of their teacher, who might soon be revealed as the messiah, until until one of the brothers falls in love with modern Manhattan and its Broadway show tunes and its giant slices of supreme pizza and loose-fitting clothing. And these things threaten to rip apart these brothers who stand in the fissure between the joys of modernity and a tradition that roots them all in the overwhelming sense of community and belonging. So which play sounds more interesting to you? The first? The one with more details? And in which one would you say are you more likely to find God? See, this is what Paul is doing in the letter to the Colossians. In it, we see Paul doing like he so often does. He's encouraging the faith community to follow the gospel that he has presented to them, his wisdom, not the other wisdom. The other wisdom is the stuff that we know very well today, where a charismatic young white male tells you exactly what you should do in the 10-step plan, if you just do this, you'll feel healthier and happier in a few minutes. With a rhetorical wave of the wand, you are immediately from the TV going and telling somebody in your house, saying, hey, hey mom, this guy says that all we need to do to be healthy, despite our lack of health and exercise and eating all the wrong foods is just eat a spoonful of apple cider vinegar. Doesn't that sound swell? But Paul writes of a different wisdom. He writes on this wisdom that is touched and known most intimately in the person of Jesus. This is why Paul wants this church to be in Christ. It's Paul's favorite phrase. He uses it dozens of times in his epistles. He says that in Christ we are in a new creation. In Christ we are forgiven. That we can do all things in Christ who gives us strength. That's what we're talking about when we say Christ is our center. But it's also slightly inaccessible. How can Christ be something universal? And how are we supposed to access this something that we tell our kids is somehow at the same time inside of us? And also, all around. I took a week away a few years ago for a writing workshop at the Collegeville Institute, sort of for a place for ecumenical writers to retreat on the banks of this beautiful river next to St. John's University. And Marilyn Nilsson as a teacher to whom I and anyone who's ever heard me preach owe a great deal of gratitude, because sermons could be a lot worse without her. And she taught me about braided metaphors, serial sentences, and most importantly, the oncey. Everybody say the oncey. The rule of the oncey states that a one time experience universalizes, and a universal experience is often dismissed. A one-time experience universalizes, and a universal experience is often dismissed. Maybe that was just in writing, I thought to myself. And I tried to take that idea to heart in my sermons and the writing, but the theological power of it didn't hit me until a few months ago, when I was reading one of these daily emails from Richard Rohr, who you've heard me talk about far too often in our men's group and our faith track of all, now read the universal Christ by him. And Rohr started the pontificate and how the specific Jesus is what opens the door for the universal Christ. And that's when it hit me. Jesus is the greatest once he ever Because in this specificity that is this God who moved into the neighborhood in a person. We see what God looks like in that most anthropomorphic of all possibilities humans. A human. And this week, Shane Claiborne reminded me of why we love Jesus so much because he said that Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is God with skin on. Now, Claiborne is a self-proclaimed evangelical who has intentionally lived for 20 years in the north side of Philly with some of the highest rates of, well, all the things that made you move the Chevy Chase. Claiborne spoke with this dark brown but kind of beaten long sleeve brown shirt. And when he came around to the aisle, I could see his baggy khakis had these two really big giant pockets on the front, pants and a shirt that I later discovered He made himself. He's a founder of the Simple Way community in North Philly. And Claiborne and the Simple Way are trying to live as if Jesus meant the things he said. What a radical idea. And so they share what they have with one another. They plant and tend community gardens. And most recently, they started to blacksmith together. Now, Claiborne's gift is that he really, truly lives and listens to that North Philly community that he's invested years, two decades of his life in, and its neighbors, and now its neighbors are not distinct from him. He is a neighbor. And recently, after yet one another of his neighbors died to gun violence, Claiborne added to his natural gifts of community organizing, and garden tendering, and tailoring the skills of blacksmithing. And now Claiborne jokingly said, yeah, now we're melting down guns and turning them into tools for peace, like plowshares. You know, like the Bible says to do. And a moment I had to laugh, he said, we must be the only church that's not Southern Baptist that says, Y'all bring your guns to church. Although we mean something really different by that, he said. And I will add that no one walks out of church with their gun, at least one that's usable for war anymore. And he passed around a plowshare. And in our hand, I saw this piece of metal. I saw a former gun. I saw God. I saw the Christ in my hand. And now a piece of Jesus is walking around with all those different pastors that that Shea Claiborne has uh, trained to be blacksmiths and all these churches who have collected guns and all those tools have been repurposed into a variety of incredible tools. Now Paul said that in Christ we see the invisible God. And a better translation of that is probably the word unseen, not invisible. It's not that God is invisible. Invisible. It's just that a universal God is often unseen because at the rule of the once he is right, God is a universal experience. And so we sort of ignore God. It's just all around us. But once we turn on mindfulness or turn on our theological particularity lenses, you can't unsee God. You'll start seeing God everywhere. You'll start seeing God when you walk through Rock Creek and you see that one little leaf that's still hanging on for life, yearning for just one more drop of chlorophyll. You'll hear God and the gleeful screaming of your children as they run around and around the staircase, feet banging on the hardwood floors, wearing nothing but diapers And once you've seen or heard God like that, in those beautiful particularities, you've seen the magnificence of the universal holy. You have seen the Christ. In Jesus, we have, yes, the greatest of onesies. But in my opinion also, Christianity's greatest gift to the faith community. Because the gift that we share is the Trinitarian God, a God that is universal and created the entirety of the cosmos, and a spirit that is with us and sustains us and fills you and me each and every day. But even more recognizable for us, naturally anthropomorphic people who like to make clouds look like people, is Jesus, God with skin on, our neighbor. And this is why we can sing with unspeakable joy of a Jesus that we want to walk with me and talk with me and tell me that I am his own. Because there is this unknowable unknowable joy that we share as we tarry there with the Emmanuel, God with us in Hebrew. Nilsen taught me at that writing workshop that when it comes to writing or speaking or just plain understanding things, the more crisp the picture, the more clear the detail, the more powerful the emotion that it invokes. And that's why Paul beckons us to believe in the specific Jesus, who he describes as being the one in whom all things on heaven and earth were created. In Christ, everything was made through him and for him. And so that begs the question for us, where have you specifically seen the universal? I'm going to briefly share with you a piece of that play, Trafe, which may not feel like it has any connection to you. A white Protestant Christian for many of us in Chevy Chase in 2019 not driving mitzvah tanks but listen, and see if you hear God. This is one brother speaking to another. Zalmi, guess how many Rebbe tapes I have? How many? Guess. A 100. A 100, wow, that would be a lot of Rebbe tapes. Guess again. 200. 200, that's a lot of Rebbe tapes for one Jew. It's more, isn't it? Three hundred? One lone chasid a million. Four hundred thirteen. Do you have four hundred and thirteen rabbi tapes? True fact. Do you have the pre-Passover farbringen, the one in honor of his 80th birthday? Of course. Oh oh no 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 wait. Do you have the one his call to fix education? How all children should know a higher power. For the eye that sees and the ear that hears have it. I can't believe you have that one. That's such a good one. You can borrow it sometime, really, as long as you return it. I mean, you'd better. I know where you live. My friends, whether it's in your mitzvah tank or your minivan, may you discover the universal Christ, and in him may you be pleased to dwell, because the one in whom and through whom cassette tapes, and dishes, and all things were created, dwells in that most particular and wonderful of creations, you. Amen.